You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are here with a good friend, Laura Self. Now, Laura is an author, and she is a new author of her first book, I believe. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. But Laura created a an amazing book, and it's called Sweetie. And it is the story of a girl diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Now, that Sweetie was her daughter, Hannah, who at the age of eight was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, is now a junior at Clemson University and has been a huge inspiration for a lot of children that have been diagnosed with this. I had the pleasure of going to the JDRF Gala uh, with them as their guest. And all of the children that were there that had been diagnosed, they looked up to Hannah like she was an angel, like she was like a professional sports athlete that walked in. It was like Cam Newton just showed up. And all these kids were so excited because she's been that inspiration to show children that even if you are diagnosed, diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, that might be something that is an issue you have to deal with and it might make your life a little bit more tough, but it doesn't stop you from achieving anything that you want. So Sweetie was uh, was a typical child until she became sick and didn't know why. After being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, Sweetie learns how to manage the disease while continuing to enjoy all things that she's always loved. Sweetie's friends and family learn to help her not just survive, but thrive within her new circumstances. And Sweetie does not let her type 1 diabetes hold her back from living a full and wonderful life. Laura is a great friend of my family. We've gotten to see Hannah grow up since 2010 when she was just a little teeny baby, uh, when she was actually diagnosed and now is thriving, like I mentioned. I'm so excited to talk about this book. First off, go to Amazon Prime right now and buy it. Uh, we will send a link to that. But thank you, Laura, for joining us on this episode of the Brand Butters Podcast. And Hannah, I'm so sorry you're not here. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you, Laura. Where is Hannah? She's cool. She's, she's in she's college. At yeah. We just moved her into her first apartment. She's very busy with sorority rush right now. Oh, so awesome! Could not be bothered. Awesome. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. That must mean she's a freshman. No, she's junior. 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 Okay, yeah. so she's rushing yes. now. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's yes. dealing with all the newbies. That's I guess right. you have to got it. Okay. That's choose right. who she's is dealing with that. Okay. Who is worthy? She's big of coming in. That's Leading right. a group yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yes. Got it. What a world that is. Yes. So tell us, tell us a little bit about the journey here. I just read some the book mm-hmm. and um it must have been just shocking when when symptoms started showing up and and just wanted to kind of understand the feeling of your household and how you tackled absolutely journey absolutely so hannah was absolutely a very typical child we don't remember her having any particular illnesses that stood out in our mind um pretty you know very healthy and around age eight she started developing what we now know are all the classic symptoms for type 1 diabetes extreme thirst frequent urination um uh, she was very hungry, which we now know is because her body wasn't actually processing the food she was eating. She had lost weight, all of these things. Um, and eventually we got the diagnosis of type one diabetes and it was very shocking. Um, in fact, it's kind of wild that we're sitting here today because we were right there in Levine Children's Hospital. Yep. So this feels oh, wow. very full circle. Um, but yes, it was very shocking. And as we spent days in the hospital, we were introduced to diabetes educators who came in and helped our family deal with this new reality. And um, 
we had to learn how to do everything. We had to learn how to, at that time, give our child multiple injections a day, how to prick her finger multiple times a day, how to count every piece of food that she eats and and drinks, and um, how to calculate that. There's so much math involved. Um, And just the thing that I just kept remembering and hearing was, and there's no cure, and there's no cure. Um, so my background is in teaching and education, and I've been a teacher for many years for young children. And I was searching for a book to help explain this because I've always done that as a mom and as a teacher, if my child or my students are going to experience something, I love to introduce literature that helps them along that journey. So if they're going to go to the dentist for the first time, I might get a book about a child who's going to visit the dentist and we'll talk about all the things. If they're going, you know, to the zoo, then of course I, I'm that mom that will make us, you know, read a book about what is a zoo? What's there? What are we going to see? All the things. And so during this diagnosis journey, I was searching for literature that would help her and our family understand more of like the, it's going to be okay part. Yes. Mm -hmm. We're going through this very challenging journey, and there's a lot of changes that need to be made in Hannah's life, certainly, but really for our whole family, and I was just searching. And there were some books out there, but even those that I ordered were pretty outdated. The technology that was shown um, in the book was pretty outdated, and I really was searching for something that really could help during that diagnosis period and that she could see this is going to be okay and really help my mom heart to know that my child's going to be okay. Did you ever wow. think you're going to be an author, right? I mean, you have this idea, but like publishing a book's kind of a big deal, right. you know, like there's a, there's probably a lot of things you learned. When, when did you finally make the decision? Like I'm doing this, like I need to do this. Great question. I think it's all, probably it's every elementary school, preschool teachers dream to be an author because we love reading children's um, books. And I, you know, read so much good literature to children each and every day. And I love it. But March 2020, when we were all sitting home and my school was closed and I was feeling antsy and fidgety and looking for something to do, that's when I actually took the notes out. I had made some notes during um, a conference that Hannah and I had attended um, one time, a where other diabetics get together and, you know, talk about different things. And for some reason, I started jotting down some ideas um, that popped into my head about a children's book about this um, diagnosis journey. And during that time when we were all home um, during quarantine, I pulled it out and it felt like I was doing something productive finished um, the manuscript and then started the process of learning, well, how do I get this published? Um, What does that look like? And ended up finding a publishing company called Fulton Books out of Pennsylvania and working through the process. And it's it took over a year for everything to come to fruition, um, but I'm really excited. It's so fun to hold it in my hand and especially fun to share it with other children. And I'm really hopeful that it will get in just the right hands and help any other families who are dealing with this because I wanted it. I wrote the book that I wish we'd had in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I hate that anyone is having to sit in the hospital or go through this journey. But I hope that if they are in that situation, that this will help them. So you guys, I mean, I think first off, you know, being a parent, you know, not 
knowing what is happening with your child. We're dealing with this right now with cash and it's kind of one of those unknowns. It's just like, like, are we going to have to have surgery? Are we going to have to do this? Like, what are we going to do? And you always want to kind of reach out to those resources. And it seems like when Hannah was, was diagnosed, I'm not saying that you didn't have all of those resources, but it's come a long way, right? When we went to the JDRF gala, like the, the goal is to end type one diabetes. The Absolutely. goal is to find that cure. Tell us not only, you know, a little bit through that journey, but how has technology advanced you know, really people with diabetes ability to live a more normal life. And and do you see, you know, that cure coming in the future? Like where where are we kind of in that journey from kind of a, an overview? Absolutely. We're, we're very hopeful. Um, when she was first diagnosed 12 years ago, as I said, we were pricking her finger up to 12 times a day, you know, before you eat. Um, exercise is kind of complicated. So before you would exercise, during exercise, after exercise. Mm. Um, when she was about 10 years old, I had her start doing uh, girls on the run. So when yep. she would start running, um, we had to monitor it that way. And then um, multiple daily injections anytime she ate. Um, and then a special, a different shot uh, at night before bed that would stick with her through the night. But I think the most challenging thing at that time was the middle of the night, because unfortunately, type 1 diabetes does not take a rest. And some people believe that, oh, you have it under control. Well, yes, but just like the stock market is always on the way up or on the way down, so is blood sugar. And so it's just this constant daily roller coaster of food, stress, insulin, and just going up and down and up and down and just this kind of like, um, they call it sugar surfing, just finding the way that you can ride that wave without getting too high, where you need more insulin, another shot, or getting too low where you now need sugar, you need a juice, you need a snack, something like that. So it's just constant. So for parents, the middle of the night was really tough. Um, we had it worked out where my husband would usually do like an 11 p.m. check on her. Um, and then he would tell me what her number was. And then I would have my alarm set. I'd check her at 2 a.m. And then depending on, you know, how she was doing, um, we could either let her sleep or we would set another alarm for two more hours from then. We Ooh. She she learned how to drink juice boxes without even waking up. Really? <laughs> <laughs> right. And then that started Dang, a, whole, Hannah. A, whole, a whole new worry of, now should I get her up and have her brush her teeth? I hope she's not getting cavities. <laughs> it's just a constant worry. That's um, wild. So yes, so technology now, just 12 years later, um, has advanced so much and we're so grateful for the advances that we've seen um, and with all this work that our family has done with JDRF, not, not us, but supporting the charity JDRF, um, we have seen tremendous um, change in technology. And one of the things you'll see on the cover of the book that was really important for me that the illustrator got everything correct. And I sent very specific photos um, for reference, but you'll see this little white patch on Hannah's arm that some children, when I've read this to them, think is a Band-Aid. Um, but what it really is, is a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor. And Hannah keeps that um, on her body. She changes it out every 10 days. And it's a little um, it inserts into her soft tissue and what it does is checks her blood sugar every few minutes and sends that information to her phone or her Apple watch, which is amazing. So she doesn't have to prick her finger anymore. It's giving that constant, constant feedback. I can pull out my phone right now and tell you what her blood sugar is at Clemson. Wow. That is, is absolutely amazing. incredible. Yeah. So for parents, for us, um, I wow. knew we could keep her safe up until college. And I was just like, what are we going to do when she's living so far away? And 
setting the alarms and all this. And um, it has been just absolutely miraculous that we can have this peace of mind. And then if she does go too high or too low, it alarms and alerts. And we know that she she needs to treat in some way, Um, again, either with insulin or um, with a snack or juice. And then the other thing that you'll see Sweetie wearing on the cover is an insulin pump. And um, Hannah went a few years after diagnosis without a pump, um, but she now, she wears one now and has, I guess, for about the past 10 years. And that has been tremendous as well. Um, What used to be the case is that the glucose monitor and the pump did not talk to one another. Now, just in the past couple of years, they have this amazing looping system so that the pump now knows what her blood sugar is and therefore can cut itself off if she's getting too low. That has helped the middle of the night fear for all of us um, because, you know, that diabetics unfortunately do have that fear that something could happen in the middle of the night and go unconscious or something like that Um, because her pump is now able to know from the glucose monitor that her blood sugar may be getting low, it stops delivering insulin and therefore her blood sugar just naturally comes up. Incredible. Amazing. Wow. You're very blessed that you're living during a time where that's advanced so well. Extremely. What's the issue with the research or the cure or like, what do you hear in that regard? Um, You know, sometimes people think, what does a cure look like for you? Right. Um, So I hear that sometimes um, as far as, gosh, if this, if this looping system gets like even tighter and even more advanced, um, are you comfortable living, living in that way? Um, there are some different technologies and, um, like, uh, I've heard about like pancreas transplant or, you know, some other Mm -hmm. options like that. But at this point, Hannah's comfortable wearing her technology and it's just a part of her now. And so we're just, um, at this point, excited that this system will continue to just be fine-tuned and make her life and like this device will be smaller and this device will be smaller and like everything like with cell phones and that just gets tighter and easier for her to use Mm -hmm. got it how what are like the statistics of how many people are diagnosed with diabetes and you know this would be an ignorant question but like how does that happen right like how how you know is this something that's you know through the family is it something that just happens like I don't want to say like, how does God choose who right. gets diabetes, but explain to me kind of what that is and, and how, how that happens. And I'm assuming now with technology, you're probably having kids that are really, really young getting diagnosed where now you can, you can actually figure that out at a very young age, whereas maybe before you could. This is not completely my area of expertise, but I do remember at the time being told that about one in 500 children were diagnosed. So that kind of represented, they said about one, one in every elementary school. You could look at it that way. Um, I have heard recently that actually the highest group and the reason why we don't call it juvenile diabetes anymore, we call it type one diabetes is because really you can be diagnosed at any age. Um, and that the number one group being diagnosed right now is actually in their twenties. Wow. Um, Yes, there is sometimes a um, a genetic component, um, but also it can be triggered by an event. Um, We don't know what that event was for Hannah. Like I said, we don't have any recollection of any type of a um, a virus or an illness or anything like that. 
Um, but that's typically the way it happens. In the hospital, of course, the first thing they ask you is, do you have any family connection? And I said, no, 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 we don't. I was very angry and trying to convince the doctors that it was probably something else. Um, And my husband piped up from the back and said, well, actually, my first cousin was diagnosed as a teenager. And I just remember I whipped around and I said, well, I've never met him. (laughs) (laughs) She's probably like, well, great. Well, that's irrelevant. (laughs) I've never seen him before. That's impossible. But it's actually interesting to note now that, so that was my husband, you know, Hannah's dad's first cousin. And now my first cousin's child was just diagnosed. Wow. So perhaps we have it, you know, we have it on both sides of the family. That is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Wow. So let's talk about Hannah. So, and I mentioned this and, and I'm, I wasn't lying, like being at the, the gala and seeing these kids, but also seeing Hannah be excited about it, right? It's yes. like that whole experience of seeing, you know, kids that are young and maybe they don't really know, right? They don't really know what to expect, but then you see Hannah and she's got this beautiful gown on and she's walking out. She looked like, you know, like a princess over mm-hmm. there and all the kids just flocked to her. And it was, it was such a cool moment. But how has Hannah not only dealt with this, but how proud are are you of her for being able to be that inspiration, right? And continue to give back. It's not something like she went to college and it's like, yeah, you know, I got, I got, I got mine under control. She now wants to help other people. And and that's pretty awesome. She absolutely does. Um, Yes. I don't know why um, this is the case, but Hannah truly feels like she, for some reason was called into this. And, um, she has not had that anger about her diagnosis. Like I think I went through right at first, or just like, um, trying to fight, like, no, this can't, this can't be this, this can't happen. Um, but she has just really accepted it from a very young age. So we give her so much credit for that. And then as her mom, I wanted to make sure that there was nothing that she dreamed of that she couldn't do. So I felt like I was like, okay, we are going to learn how to like run a 5k and we are going to be on the swim team and do dance classes. And, um, we rode a, we did a hundred mile bike ride together and things like that. Um, because I just wanted her to know how she could still participate in all of those activities. She has been very good, um, about being open about it. She doesn't try to like hide her pump, hide her CGM. Um, you can, you know, um, and some, some type ones choose to do that. She has been very open about it and she's comfortable with talking about it. Um, but she does feel kind of called to help others with their diagnosis and help them to learn that it's going to be okay. And yes, there are some difficult things about having this disease. Um, you know, it's called an invisible disease because not everybody knows, like you saw her, like at the gala, you, you might not know if you Mm -hmm. didn't know. Um, but that there is so much going on and so many decisions she's having to make on a daily basis about, you know, what she's eating, when she's eating, um, how much, how much she's dosing and all the, all of the things. So yes, we're extremely proud. She's worked as like a camp counselor for those children with type one. Um, and in fact, she's, um, working on her minor in school is nonprofit leadership, and she really hopes to work for JDRF one day. She would love to and continue this mission to find a cure ultimately, um, but in the meantime, help those um, with the diagnosis to know that you can still live a very full, very active, very satisfying life. Well, we work with uh, with Matthew Sutter, so you better listen up. You better hire <laughs> Hannah, okay? And actually, that relationship. Uh, happened by we met at the gala so now we're actually working to do some things 
in our world with JDRF, which Excellent. is pretty awesome. So Excellent. it's cool how that all comes cool. around. Um, I wanted to ask you what she wants to do. And that's amazing that she is uh, is going in that nonprofit space. Um, when when you talk to someone like Hannah, look, I remember when I went to college, it was like freedom, like I'm away from my parents. It, it takes a, a, a big level of maturity to go to college and I want to say just still play by the rules, right? And what I mean by that is like Hannah couldn't just go to college and be like, away from my parents now. It doesn't matter. I don't need, I can eat whatever I want. I can drink whatever I want. I can stay up. Like she has to still have that maturity level. Mm -hmm. How proud are you of that? And like, how hard was that for her to be away from you? Right. right. I mean, it might've been harder for you, honestly, but, <laughs> but how, how did that journey where she literally was the first time she's by herself in a scenario where it's like, Hannah, now you're a freshman in college. This is going to be with you. You have to deal with it. Explain how that happened and, exactly. and what she experienced. Well, um, again, we didn't just it didn't just start day one in college. It's right. been she's been taking control slowly and slowly as the years have gone on. In fact, the current insulin pump that she has, I don't even know how to operate it. That's just been all in her. Um, and as she got through the years in high school, she even learned how to make the calls to the insurance company, getting new supplies. Like there's a whole nother side of diabetes that's not even like the health journey part. It's mm -hmm. just making sure you have everything you need, making sure you have the right prescriptions, making sure, um, you know, insurance is all set up, all of those things. Um, but I can assure you, she is living a very normal college life, doing all the college things. Um, and I want her to do that. That's exactly what we want her to do. And Definitely. yes, she does have to always have her health in the back of her mind. But one of the ways she's done that is, again, sharing her story, um, letting her roommates know, you know, letting those those people around her know, like, this is an issue. And I'm very proud of her. As we said, she's um, participating in Sorority Rush this week, um, leading a group and, you know, I guess, rushing girls for her sorority. And she made the decision to make sure that all of her tech was out and visible. So she has her CGM right on her arm and she's got her pump right on her waistline because she said, you know, I'd be willing to bet there's going to be someone coming through rush that is a type one themselves. And she said, boy, that would have been so important for me to see that, oh, there's another girl here and she's mm -hmm. doing it. Um, and so that's really cool. She also has started a group at um, Clemson with two other type ones called Type One Tigers. And nice. it's part of the College Diabetes Network. And these kids all, they've got a huge group chat of all the type ones <laughs> at school and can help each other um, with supplies, with support emotionally. Um, and that has also been really helpful for her. So we could not be more proud. That's incredible. It really is. She is. <laughs> I still don't know how Chris made this, this person. This is all Laura. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding, Chris. I love you too. Um, tell me about, so, you know, one of the cool things with, with your family and seeing them grow up is, is Hannah is the older sister to Nate, um, who is her younger brother. If you saw him, he's about seven feet tall. So you wouldn't <laughs> think that he was younger at all. But how has Hannah made an impact on Nate's life? Uh, and Nate is not type one. Um, no. Nate has not had to deal with that. But Nate got a front row seat into that journey. And you can see not only how close they are, but I feel like Hannah played a huge role in Nate's life and, and maybe kind of gave him that that mindset like, my life's easy compared to what mm -hmm. Hannah has to go through. So right. what, what was that sibling relationship like mm -hmm. uh, and how cool was that to see as a parent? Right. That's a great question because that is another um, concern that parents of type one have is how does this affect the younger sibling? Because um, 
Hannah's health, like is just always at the forefront of our family. And especially when she was younger and especially before we had all this technology that made it so much easier. Um, and we always worried, you know, it could be Nate's birthday and Hannah could have like a health issue Mm -hmm. and it could trump it. So what I tried to do as a mom is give him little jobs. Like at first, when she first came home from the hospital, he was the juice box guy. So he would go and get her juice boxes if she needed it. Um, but he has such a, tremendous heart and a love for his sister. And he's really helped her out along the way, which has been great. It's also fun for him to come home sometimes and be like, oh yeah, there's a guy at basketball camp who is the type one. I talk to him, you know, (laughs) and make those connections too, because he's like, Hey, I see you. I know what this is about. Um, but ultimately Nate and then other children too, who might get to hear this book, who might not be type one. I'm hopeful that they will come away with the message of, you know, everyone might be going through something and we don't know. And how can we be, there's a part in the book where, you know, sweetie's friends do help her and her family does help her. And how can we be of help to one another? And yes, he's done a great job of that, but it is, it is a concern. I want to make sure we're meeting all of his needs and not always putting it first, but diabetes sometimes as a way of ruining the day. Yeah. Well, not for long, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Not for long, diabetes. Like you, you We're guys coming are for conquering you. as good as you can. You really that's are. That's right. Tell us about the success of the book and kind of what additional rewards that you've received personally that maybe you didn't expect about from being an author and, and helping others through right. through your uh, work there. It's definitely been so much fun to be able to have it in my hand and share it with children. Like I said, I absolutely love um, reading to young children. That's one of my favorite things. I chose to write the book in a rhyme scheme because, um, that's my favorite type of book to read to children is in a rhyme scheme. As a teacher, I always say rhymers are readers. Um, so that was the intention there. Um, and I have had the pleasure of being able to read it to both groups of children, non-diabetics. And then, um, this summer I had a great chance to go to a camp of all type one diabetics and share it at the camp there with about 75 campers. And that was so rewarding for me. I told my husband, this is like the best day, um, because it was fun to see them relate to the story. We talked a lot about how sweetie, um, the main character felt during the book, but then we also had a chance to talk about, you know, how is her mom feeling here? How, how's little brother feeling here? Um, and they were able to kind of share some of their diagnosis stories and as well. And then they gave me ideas. I asked them, you know, what kinds of other things do you think sweetie should do that would really help show people that type one is not going to hold, hold anyone back. And they had some amazing ideas of, you know, sweetie goes to school. Um, sweetie goes to Carowinds because that's a whole thing about wearing an insulin pump on a roller coaster. And like, there's all things that you have to do that people don't think about (laughs) bringing food into Carowinds, even though Carowinds says you can't, (laughs) you know, and all all the things, um, (laughs) sweetie goes to camp. Um, you know, all, all of those different types, sweetie goes to a sleepover. So I love like being able to get those ideas from them of things. They're like, okay, now that you've shared this with people that we want them to know, tell them about all these other things, you know, that sweetie can do. I'm like, sweetie goes to college. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's amazing and uh, i'd be uh we we gotta tell people what you do for a living as well uh and i'm gonna transition this into to another thing but um you are the founder and you run journey montessori academy uh which is an amazing place 
um, booked for like seven years, so don't call. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't even get my own kids I'd in there. That. Okay, <laughs> I, so it's it's tough. Right? Life's tough. <laughs> yeah. But 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 I'll I'll mention that is that is is Laura is is great with children. She's great with families. She created a great academy, and I know she would be open to having any conversations with parents that. You know, maybe your your kid just got diagnosed. Maybe you're going through some issues and you don't really know how to relate to this. Or maybe you're not that teacher that's super creative that comes up with unique ideas to keep your kid engaged and, and excited about it. And you need some ideas, right? Um, have you had the ability to, to speak with other families? And obviously, I should ask, are you open to people contacting you? I would you absolutely doing that? love it. Um, the, I'm just kind of in the beginning stages of promoting the book. and um, But I would absolutely love the opportunity to go in and share with other children. Like I said, those with type 1 and those who m- may not have type 1, um, I kind of have two different lesson plans that I do in presenting the book. And I think it's important conversation for everyone. Um, I shared it with some children in my neighborhood and I didn't even know one of the little girls was like, Oh yeah, there's someone in my class that wears that same thing. And they go to the nurse a couple times and this and that, you know, and it just really Mm -hmm. opening up that conversation for helping them to understand. And then how could you be a good friend to someone who might need some help with something sometimes? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I would love the opportunity to share it for sure. Well, we will do that. Um, well, this has been amazing. I, I, uh, I'm so proud of you of what you've been able to do and writing the book and really the journey of Hannah, aka Sweetie, um, and what she's been able to do. But I love that, you know, Hannah, she's flying, right? And and the sky's the limit for her. Hopefully she gets to come back and work for JDRF. And and this is just going to, we're going to see more and more from Hannah. But it's neat that you have now taken the seat of let's give back to people, right? Let's, Mm -hmm. Let's go back to 2010 when I was first standing in Levine thinking this isn't true, this can't be true, right. doctor, you're dumb, this isn't right, right? <laughs> right. And and that's probably what every parent goes through when you get any type of a diagnosis, specifically one that could affect their entire life, right? Mm-hmm. You're thinking of everything. Well, what's going to happen? You're a role model of how you've created that path. Now you've done that through the book. And I just think that's so cool because a lot of people might, you know, hey, my, my daughter's in college now, everything's good. And like it is what it is, but there's a parent right now that will be at Levine today that will find out that their kid has diabetes, Very right? True. And will have no idea what to do. So I'm just so proud of you for coming Thank back you. and giving back and being awesome. Thank you for allowing me to share. It's my love pleasure. It. That is awesome. I love it. We will put all the information um, on uh, purchasing the book. Please do that, especially if you have young kids. Um, get the book in in the hands of teachers. If you if you know of a friend or a family member that's going through this, specifically kids at a young age, make sure they get the book. Um, you know, I've read this book to my kids a couple of times and my son still don't know what's going on, but at the same time, hopefully they will in the future when they see, you know, the, the, is it, what is it called? The patch um, or the a CGM, continuous CGM. glucose monitor. When they see that they might know, oh, Hey, and they'll know because of the book, sweetie. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many things my sons know about just from reading a children's book. And then they see it out in the wild per se. And they're mm-hmm. like, and I'm like, how did they even know that? <laughs> right. Um, it's pretty crazy. So I love what you're doing. We'll put the link on there to buy the book. Like I said, please do that like share comment and uh laura thank you thank chris hannah nate blake virginia the whole crew (laughs) for uh for allowing me to be a part of your family on a regular basis but but proud of you for what you've been able to do our pleasure thank you thank you until next time you've been listening to this episode of the brand butters podcast You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.